and must make the most of our limited time here. Each of us have these unique gifts to contribute to the world. And it's our job to develop these gifts and give them away. That's why I created the Preschool SLP podcast. The Preschool SLP is about working smarter to create real change in ourselves and in others. Being an SLP is a mission. Let's discuss topics that matter. What are the game-changing strategies? How can we treat the whole child? How can we create the shiniest versions of ourselves and of our clients? We're here at the drawing board for a reason. You bring your own unique gifts. Together, let's create better. near the end of the Pure School SLP podcast for the very first year. So I want to thank you so much for being here with me. It means so much that I'm not alone at the drawing board because together we are better. I love hearing from you. I love your thoughts. I love your questions. I love your insights. I've grown so much this year because I've been with you instead of alone at the drawing board. And I thank you so much for that. And every week, it's been so great looking at topics and seeing how can we do something different? How can we know better? How can we be better? How can we create better? How can we make this world a better place? How can we change people's lives and the work that we do each and every day? It's so fulfilling and it's so great having you here with me and working as a team and teaching others and just it's been fabulous. So today we're going to talk about next year and how are we going to up-level intervention for next year? We're going to look at three areas. We're going to look at what does the research say in terms of language, in terms of literacy, and in terms of speech when it comes to our goals. Because what the research indicates is that the goals really matter a lot. Your treatment targets matter. In the intervention research that I've done with local graduate students, I would tell you that about 80% of your outcomes are going to be decided upon based on your treatment target. That's how important the treatment target is. It's kind of like if you want to be healthy or lose weight, and food would probably account for 80% of your outcome. So the treatment target, what you ingest, is very, very important. So we're really going to talk about goals and how we can up-level our practice by having the absolute best top-shelf goals for our clients. We're going to look at the research today. And what does the research say in terms of speech, language, and literacy? What kind of goals are going to get you great gains? And what kind of goals are going to get you dismal gains? And what the research indicates is this not only in the area of speech sound disorders, but also in the area of language and in the area of literacy, that the higher you aim in terms of goals, the higher the gains. 
So if you want to see in terms of progress, a race to the top, you need to have a goal that is set at the top and set high. If you want a race to the bottom and you don't want to make gains, then you're going to set a low goal. That's going to be a very small step from where the child currently is. That's what's going to happen. That's a race to the bottom. So I'm going to look at some of the latest research in the area of language and literacy and share with you my research that I just presented at ASHA. So let's look at this great article from 2017 in JSLHR. And the person's name is Amanda Jean Owen Van Horn. Mark Fay and Maura Curran wrote an article in 2017 in which they took 18 school-age children between the ages of 4 to 10 years of age, and they looked at grammatical morphemes. And what they did is they took half of the children and randomly assigned them into a group which was do the hard grammatical morphemes first. Now, the other half did the easy grammatical morphemes first. And what did they find? They found that the children that were assigned the harder grammatical morphemes made greater gains. And what happened were the earlier developing morphemes naturally developed. That was not the case. You don't have a geyser effect in which you work on the earlier developing morphemes and the later ones naturally develop. That doesn't work that way. Language is like speech. It works like a waterfall in a downward cascading manner not in an upward geyser manner. You're going to see that if you go to Yellowstone, but you're not going to see that in communication disorders. You're going to see a cascading impact. So the treatment target matters when you're working on language. And in this case, we're looking at grammatical morphemes. If you want to make improvement in grammatical morphemes, work on more complex language forms, and you're going to get the earlier developing grammatical morphemes for free. They're going to spontaneously develop. I really like the title of this article. I'm like, how did they get away with this with JSLHR in 2017? It starts with do the hard things first. So do the hard things first. Now, this is a great article from 2017. Check it out in JSLHR. And then once again, it's Owen Van Horn is the author. Mark Fay is the second author. Amor Curran. So that's in terms of language, in terms of grammatical morphemes. Let's look at the next area of literacy. I love Trina Spencer and Douglas Peterson's story champs, and I love all of the research that they did. They are not the ones that really popularized the idea that teaching elements of the story is important. Teaching elements of the story has been happening in over 20 years, okay? But the thing is, is that was something that they did in third and fourth and fifth grade in middle elementary that was taught. Well, what Trina Spencer and Douglas Peterson did that made their work so great is they took this complex treatment target, story grammar, and they brought it to the preschool level. And not only did they bring it to the preschool level, they brought it to preschoolers who were economically disadvantaged. They brought it to preschoolers that were English language learners. They brought it to preschoolers that had speech and language impairments. They brought it to children with autism. They brought it to children with cognitive impairment. And what they were showing in their research that complex treatment targets get 
great gains. And what makes their research so incredibly special is it gets great gains in language comprehension. So there's no other approach that has that research to show we get great gains in language comprehension. And as I've mentioned before, so much of that has to do with improved verbal working memory. If you have children retelling stories, they're using verbal working memory at a very high level. And in this use it or lose it brain, neurons that fire together, wire together. What Trina Spencer and Douglas Peterson did when they took this complex, very important concept of narratives and storytelling and story retelling and elements of, of the story, and they brought it to the preschool level when neuroplasticity is at a high, high level, and they made dramatic changes, not across one group of children, but across diverse groups of children with significant needs. What they showed is that complex treatment targets are in reach for children when you use multimodal cueing. So here I bring out my toolbox. If you're listening to the podcast, your toolbox is so important. And this is what makes you a speech pathologist and not just your average gel or average Joe off the street, the multimodal cues. You are able to teach concepts that children don't learn naturally. And what makes you able to do that is having a toolbox that is full of cues. So you're using in your toolbox every cue to your disposal. And that's what they're doing in story trims and in effective interventions. They're taking complex treatment targets and they're making them accessible and a viable treatment target to children where it's not coming naturally by using every tool in the toolbox. We're talking auditory, gestural, visual, um, imagery, every tool in the toolbox. Empty it out for them. And what you're doing is you're building scaffolds. You're giving them all the support they need so that they can rise to a really high treatment target. And then when they're at that level, you're going to slowly remove the tools they don't need anymore. And when you do that, the child stands on their own. It's a very important pass of the baton because that's when self-efficacy occurs. That's when the child becomes the teacher. And the child realizes at that point that I am in charge of whether I'm successful or not. My efforts matter. It's not natural talent. It's not what I'm born with. It's something that I've developed when you remove those scaffolds. And that's why it's so important to get rid of the auditory prompt as soon as possible. And you're able to do that because you gave them every tool in the toolbox. So you're gonna be able to take that auditory tool out of that toolbox and they are still going to thrive because you're not dropping the baby, there's still support. Now we're always gonna make sure that there's that 80% minimal accuracy level so we're not going to remove too many tools so that the child's performing below 80% because when we do that, we risk frustration, 
or we risk habituation of an error. Practice makes perfect, and practice also makes imperfect. So we're always going to stay at that 80% accuracy level. If it's too easy, if the child's at a 90% accuracy level, that's not challenging enough. That's not challenge point. So we need to take away some of the tools and we need to make the treatment target harder to get it back at an 80% level because challenge creates change. So when we look at this article, this was this is a wonderful article that you're looking at what is 686 kindergarten students randomly assigned to the intervention versus the control. And the intervention they received is twice weekly group therapy with a speech language pathologist for 20 minutes over a 14 week period. So what are we talking about here? We're talking three months intervention, twice a week, 20 minutes in a group, using their story champs program, what happened? What happened at this kindergarten level is the children that were labeled at risk or literacy delays outperformed the children who did not receive that intervention, who were at age expectation or at advanced literacy skills in narrative development. So that just shows you what these children are capable of when you give them multimodal cueing, bring your toolbox, and you give them a complex treatment target, and you give them a most to least higher prompting hierarchy, and you give them 80% minimal accuracy. What you're doing is you're creating scaffolds and you're raising that child up as high as that child can possibly go when neuroplasticity is at a high level. Yeah. These are high stakes we're talking about here. What you're doing is very high stakes. You're creating lifelong change. You're moving the needle when you do that. So looking at that, that's the literacy. But I'm gonna just I'm just gonna repeat this back to you in case you're you 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 missed this, because this is huge. The children that received the group intervention twice a week for 20 minutes that had at-risk or below literacy skills outperformed the children at baseline that had normal and advanced literacy skills that were the same age as them after only three months of intervention. So that is the power of taking a complex treatment target, something that's been traditionally done at the fourth grade and bringing it down to the kindergarten level and doing what we do best, which is we know how to teach things in a multimodal, multi-sensory manner that don't come naturally. And we know how to pull those scaffolds back and a back and forth dance manner, always ensuring that the child's 80% accurate in a moment to moment manner. And when you do, that's how you're going to see success like their numbers found in this huge randomized study of 686 children at kindergarten age. These numbers are pretty much unheard of in our field. So when we see this, we need to pay attention. And the fact that it's random assignment is another thing that is that is really nice. Now, this article you're going to find in LSHSS in January 2022. So I talked about language and I talked about literacy in which they did random assignment 
And they found that when you had more complex treatment targets, you had better gains, not just for typical children, but for children in the first case that had developmental language delay, for children in the second case that at risk or had lower below average literacy skills, where after three months, they're outperforming the children with advanced literacy skills and normal literacy skills. That's what a complex treatment target will do for you when you combine that with skilled multimodal cueing. Okay, now let's talk more about the treatment target. I'm gonna talk about my own study that I just presented as a poster at ASHA. And I looked at 76 preschoolers, this is a retroactively, that had treatment targets. So in this group of 76 preschoolers, it was a very mixed group. We had children with Down syndrome. We had children with autism spectrum disorder. We had children with childhood apraxia of speech. We had children with Turner syndrome. We had children with articulation impairment, mild. We had children with phonological processes. We had children with severe levels of speech sound disorders. So in my group, when you looked at these 76 children, it pretty much reflected what you would see in a typical caseload, which is about half of them had articulation impairment, about 25% of them had both language and speech impairment, and about 25% of them had a pervasive developmental disorder. Now, with these children across the board, they all were either assigned two element clusters or three element clusters, and this was based on the speech pathologist graduate student's discretion. We didn't have the research back then. We didn't know that three element clusters get much better gains than two element clusters. We didn't know that at the time. So it was up to the individual graduate student and she provided her reasoning. So maybe the graduate student said, I'm going to go for a two element cluster, the word slide SL, because the child only has problems with S and L. And if I work on splash, we're working on P, but the child already has P. And I only have five sessions. I wanna make S and L salient. That was their reasoning. That made sense to me. I get you, do SL. The other person is saying, well, I want to do SPL because that's more complex. That's going to tax their motor coordination doing SPL. And that's going to result in more spontaneous gains throughout their speech with the non-targeted sounds. So we didn't know what was better at the time. We were just giving our clinical reasoning. But when we looked at the pre and post data afterwards, we found that on average, the children that had the three element clusters instead of the two element clustered scored about twice as, as well, twice better, two times better when it came to the number of non-treated sounds that they said correctly, when it came to the clusters that they said correctly, when it came to the affricates that they said correctly. If they were given the three element cluster instead of the two as a target, you saw about twice the gains. So challenge creates change. And people ask me, they say, yeah, yeah, Kelly, but that's only with the children who are, have strong cognitive skills or strong attention skills or have strong language skills or have a mild to moderate speech sound disorder or just have phonological processes, right? 
That's who we use the complexity approach with. We use that with the children that can handle it. And I say, no, we use the complexity approach with all children. And all children benefit from more complex treatment targets. Don't be a gatekeeper. Don't look at these children with these pervasive labels and say, you can't do this. Never, never judge whether a child can or can't do something. What you need to ask is, how can you do this? So what we're going to talk about is goals. I don't care about how the child scores on the test, the single word test, when it comes to goals. I do care about how the child performs when I do dynamic assessment and I empty out my toolbox and I give them everything. That's our starting point. What can we do then when I give them every scaffold, every tool I've got? That's what I care about. So what I find actually is the children that made the greatest gains with the three element consonant clusters were the ones with the most, with the highest level of severity. And the reason for that is the more complex the treatment target, the more gains that the child experienced in a multifaceted manner the more gains the child made in terms of attention because a more complex target required greater amounts of attention. The more the child gained in terms of verbal working memory because the more complex the target, the more verbal working memory that was required. So what happened is when you look at attention and verbal working memory, those are foundational skills. And when you make gains in those areas, you're going to see gains across the board. That's what's so exciting when I'm working with children with multifaceted impairments, such as autism spectrum disorder. And I, I, I focus on their speech sound disorder and I focus on giving them a really complex target. Guess what happens? Their attention improves the verbal working memory improves. And so does every single aspect of their lives. So don't be a gatekeeper and judge these children based on their level of impairment and give them a lower shelf target. The stakes are way too high. These children are in a place right now where the neuroplasticity in their brain is very high and you can create great change and you're not going to do it with a low target. You're not. It's a race to the bottom. You're going to do it with a high level target. So who is the complexity approach <laughs> good for Every child on your caseload is going to show greater gains the more complex the target. And how are we going to accomplish that? Don't ask if they can. Ask how they can. Ask how. Don't ask can they. Say how can they. So what we're going to talk about next is where we're headed from here. We're going to talk about goals. And goals go two ways because A, you need to believe in the child. 
but it goes beyond believing the child. You need to believe in yourself. You need to have the self-efficacy to know that you have the power and you have the ability to create change when neuroplasticity is at a high level. You have the ability to work with complex treatment targets that are going to create great change with this child and have a cascading impact and impact many non-targeted areas in the little time you have. So if you're ready for that, this is what I'm talking about up-leveling. I want you to join me next week. I'm doing a boot camp. And in this boot camp, next Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, so it's going to be December 27th, 28th, and 29th at 9 a.m. And the first day, we're going to talk speech sound disorders. And we're going to talk about how do we make these game-changing goals that create lifelong change. But that's not enough. I need to share with you, how are we going to get there in a year? So when we go through these goals, the goals are going to show the roadmap. And they're going to show this is exactly how we're going to get to point Z. We're going to go step by step and how we're going to get there in 2023. So we're going to take all of this information, roll up your sleeves, and go ahead and make the world a better place. And you're always first.